This episode is sponsored by Interactive Brokers. Did you know that Interactive Brokers clients earn up to 4.33% on their uninvested, instantly available cash balances? In fact, how much interest is your broker able to pay you? Interactive Brokers' prudent and conservative risk management uniquely positions IBKR to pay you far higher interest rates. That's just one of the many reasons clients use Interactive Brokers to trade stocks and options, futures, currencies, bonds, funds, and, and more. Rates subject to change, of course, and visit IBKR.com slash interest rates to learn more. The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. Inflation receding, like the floods in my neighborhood. Fed calls for a mild recession. Earnings season begins. Banks batter up. And our guest today, Frank Curzio from Curzio Research and Wall Street Unplugged Podcast. All this and much more on episode number 812 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Welcome to the Discipline Investor Podcast. I'm Andrew Horowitz, and uh, woo, I am sure you've heard about the the wicked storms we had here this week. I mean, 17 inches of rain, 20 inches of rain maybe in 24 hours. I mean, it was a NOAA 1,000-year event. So I went outside. I sent some things up on Twitter. I, said, I went outside. Hey, let me go look at the canal. Let me see what it looks like. Let me just get a glance at where the water is, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I live on the water. Right in the backyard, I look, and it was like 6.30 at night. I'm like, man, it's up to the dock already. It's getting real close to, to bridging the dock. I didn't really know how bad the rain was going to be. It did not stop raining till 10 o'clock at night, torrential downpours. It was unbelievable. So it's now starting to creep over the dock, 6.30. By 8 o'clock, 8 inches of rain over my dock and seawall. By 8, uh, maybe 8. 30, 840, it was like one and a half feet over, and low tide was going to be at 930. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. Rain didn't let up till, well, for the next two hours. By 10, the water was two feet over the dock. Dock boxes were going by. There was a big Connect Four, one of those games that was just floating down the river, and the mess and the junk and the coconuts and all the stuff inside that was just awful. And I was starting to freak out because now my boat's all the way up on the lift. The engines were in the water. Things were just floating around. And I was getting pretty nervous because now I had about six inches towards a major electrical outlet, which I did turn off, but still, you don't want water getting into that, right? So I'm thinking, wow, we got another four hours until high tide. What is that going to look like? I had about six inches until it reached my deck and another foot until it reached my house. Good news. 10.45, rain stopped. Flooding was incredible. In Fort Lauderdale, streets are impassable. The airport is a freaking lake. I mean, an absolute lake. Most of the 
water started receding Thursday and Friday. And, you know, by the weekend, it got a lot better, of course. But it's receding. Now, crazy, I saw cars were just abandoned. I had a friend who on Wednesday was stuck at the airport. He went to the airport, and by the time he was pulling out, the cop said, you can't go left, you can't go right, leave your car right here. He was stuck, and I was talking to him in his car from 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. Crazy the flooding that went on. I don't know why. I don't care why. It was bad. But with that, talking about floods, I'm going to talk about a flood of information because I'm going to switch it up. We're going to bring in our guest today, Frank Curzio from Curzio Research and Wall Street Unplugged Podcast to talk about all that's going on and the amount of things, as we call a flood of information, going to hit us over the next few weeks. Frank, what's up, buddy? What's going on? When you asked me to come on, I didn't know you meant on your boat during a live uh, podcast. Yes. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pedaling right now. I can't believe it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you know, there's that Nextdoor app. You know that Nextdoor app? Mm-hmm. People all night were like, can you please rescue? Not to me, just generally. We need rescue because somebody has a canoe. Wow. Can you just do that? I went, went around the neighborhood this um, the, the day after, and it was it was above your knees at some of the house like like at their doorsteps, it's bad. That's incredible. It's bad. So with that, because I'm I'm four and a half hours away on the coastline, right. and we got rain here, and it was pretty hard. I mean, no flood. When you you know you sent me pictures before, you got. I'm like, what? I was like, are you kidding me? And I'm looking outside. I'm like, wow. Like, how, it's weird that only you got in a certain area where it's Fort Lauderdale and Hollywood, and no one else on the coastline got it. Yeah, like it was that. that. I mean, they say right. it's worse in history in the history of the area. I know people that my next door neighbor who lived in that house for like. 35 years, 40 years. I've always been proud to say when people said, hey, how is your seawall? I've said, you know what? There's been a lot of storms. There's been a lot of these high tides, these king tides, and never has the water ever come over my seawall. I've said that a hundred times to people. And then yesterday I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, Scary. what is going on? He said mm-hmm. he's never seen it that high, ever, ever. Yeah. So let's talk about... Uh, how crazy high the markets are, maybe, or what's going on. I want to start with a discussion, first of all, about the Fed. The Fed had a meeting this week. and Not a meeting. They had a, the, the minutes this week. And I wanted to just give you what they said, and I want to talk about this in depth because, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm pretty fed up with the Fed, so to speak. I'm, I'm disgusted with some of the things they're doing. I think some of the things they're doing, they have to do. But I think it's they're doing and... Some of the things that have happened, in particular, the discussion from Harkin this week that said that none of the banking failures had anything to do with anything that the Fed did. Different discussion. (laughs) But let's talk about this. This is the key takeaway that I got from the minutes this week. It says, quote, for some time, the forecast for the U.S. economy prepared by the staff has featured subdued real GDP growth for this year and some softening in the labor market. Given their assessment of the potential economic effects of the recent bank sector developments, the staff's projection, this is the important part, the staff's projection at the time of March meeting include a mild recession starting later this year with a recovery over the subsequent two years. And they go on to talk about real GDP in 2024. It's going to remain below uh, where they thought, resource utilization, in both product and labor, we'll forecast to be much less tight, blah, 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 blah. So here we are. We get two CPA, CPA or inflation prints this week, both of them better than anticipated by a bit. PPI that came out on Thursday was negative 0.5, a lot better 
but that's a noisy, that's a noisy uh, number, right? What, what the fed, what are they, what, what's going on with them in terms of now they're projecting a mild recession that that that's going to take two years to recover from what kind of re- mild recession takes two years to recover from. Am I just being too critical? I, I think they're telling the market what they want to hear. And, and, you know, you know, as well as you've been, we've been doing this for a long time for decades, right? A lot yep. of people have been in this market. You could say you have 10 years of experience. It's a lot of experience, but in reality, the last 10 years, if you've been in this market, you've never been anything like this, right? You've been used to zero interest rates. Every single time there's a problem, you have the Fed there, you know, constant flooding of cash, buying bonds, QE this, QE that, two, three, four, whatever. Uh, you know, but when you date back and you see what's going on right now, it, it's it's insane, right? Mm-hmm. Because the Fed is usually ahead of the market since then where they, they said, okay, let's communicate this way. We don't disrupt the markets and we want to communicate what we're going to do. Right. That's what they do. And they have the Wall Street Journal that pass on things. The Wall Street Journal that write a story a couple of, uh, you know, like a week ahead of, of the rates and saying this is probably what they're going to do. You know, again, they, they leak it out a little bit and on purpose. Uh, this way, they don't disrupt the markets. I, I, I've never seen the Fed like the Fed is basically like we, we just based on data. You know, they're looking at the data, meaning that there's so much uncertainty around this organization right now, where if you just take the past 60 days, 60 days ago, remember, they were like high-fiving each other. It's disinflation, disinflation. How many times <laughs> I mentioned that uh, word, right? It was disinflation. Right. Everyone's right. like, oh, this is great. And then it was like a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden, all the data changed, and we saw it wasn't moderating. It was going back up, right? And we sort right. of go, started inching back up. And then he had to come out and he said, okay, well, you know, expect more hikes coming, much more hikes. Remember the terminal rate was going – you know, it was like a 5%, then it went to 4.5%, 4 then all of a sudden it was at 5.5%, right? That terminal rate is the highest rate that, you know, the, the high rate where they're going to go, where they're going to stop mm-hmm. uh, raising rates. And, and now you're switching to the banking crisis. And now you're like, now you're seeing, you know, that is nothing better than, you know, for, for you know, just a deflationary event than, than a banking crisis, right? So now they're coming back saying, well, maybe we won't uh raise after this right and just a back and forth this is 60 days right this is going back what and is forth this? about what is the problem it's like a bunch of yentas hanging out talking about this stuff and there's just I, I i how about this can i throw this out there mm-hmm. is it possible that the fed's real job as they see it right now is just to confuse the market so much that there's nothing that can be really believed upon so therefore people have to think longer term and not with the current data I'll be honest. I wish that was a problem. I think the problem is that they are confused. They no, they (laughs) they are. They have no idea what's going on because we've never been at this place in history. And when we look at the economy, we always go back to historical data. When have we had interest rates at zero for ten straight years? When have we injected? I mean, it took us what two hundred years to spend our first trillion dollars. Now we're spending trillion dollars every quarter, right? I mean, we injected eleven and a half trillion of fiscal monetary into the system. Three and a half trillion of that came at the end of twenty twenty, when all asset prices we got a hold on COVID, everything started opening up. All asset prices hit all time highs. If you look at houses, you're looking at, at, at you know autos. You're looking at, at the stock market. Everything jumped back up to all time highs. Every asset class jumped up to all time highs. Home prices, home time, and we still injected another three and a half trillion. And it keeps going and going and going and going. So now we have the Fed. They just say in the minutes, well, we're concerned, blame the banking crisis. It's 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 so freaking ironic because you say that banking crisis heightened the chance of recession. It's weird because it's that's your job as the Fed. It's the control of the currency oh. as well, the CEO, the FDIC. It's your job to keep an eye on these guys. And the fact that you were asleep at the wheel, right? And you could find out, you have Bloomberg, I have Capital IQ, these assistants we pay a lot of money for. We could find out how much that... that the percentage of deposits insured within five minutes across all the publicly traded banks, right? We could find that. They have that data available. 
and they fell asleep at the wheel, right? And again, it was treasuries. It's something that never happened. It's supposed to be safe. But of course, these things were down a lot. And when you're forced to sell- well, Do you know why they're asleep at the wheel? They take losses. Well, it, it, I'll tell you funny, why. Do you want me to tell you why? How ironic. I'll tell why? you why. They're too busy lunching, speaking, and working on their next book deal, and then working on their resume. So when they get out, they can get hired by Booz Allen or Goldman. Yeah, they all get hired. They make a fortune. These guys. This is the problem. These guys are not really economists anymore. They get into serious. I'm not kidding about this. They they are so bad at what they are doing. They, 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 so you can say, okay, Frank, let's talk, right? All right. They missed the transient inflation thing, and we'll give them a pass on that, only because there was this reopening and the closing and the thing and the the supply chain. Let's give them a pass on that. How about that? Okay. Then let's give them a pass on, um, you know, overdoing and and raising rates too high for a lot of different reasons, right? Cutting off liquidity in a lot of areas. Let's let's kind of give them a maybe pass there. But giving them a pass on the regulatory environment, which is what they should. It's not only these twelve governors that do this. There's a there's a there's thousands of staff at the Fed, right? That should be watching this. They all missed it. It's well, it's mind boggling. And we can all go into, you know, how angry we are at the Fed. I just, again, this is like, like their it. reason for saying that there's reset. But what does this mean for your portfolio? Because now you had yeah. Buffett coming right. in. This was a bailout. And Buffett was on TV the other day saying that on CNBC. And, and I, I love Buffett. He's, he's great. He, he was just saying that, you know, it's not a bailout. Where the, it's from the FDIC. The banks fund the FDIC. And that's all correct. You're right. They fund it. But you know what's going to happen here is now you're going to result in increased regulation. Now they got to replenish the FDIC. It's like this you know, unique insurance structure, right? That for the banks and the FDIC paid it. So he's like, you know, it's nothing to the tax hold, but it is because you're going to see banks raise fees to co- their earnings are going to get it annihilated and they're going to get annihilated. You're seeing across the board where all the analysts are lowering their earnings because now you have to account for higher uh, lost loan reserves, which we're seeing in credit cards and things like that, which is no, but that comes directly off the bottom line. And you're seeing that's why earnings are coming down drastically right now. But now you have the credit card. So now more regulation is going to go into it. You're going to have to, you know, keep more deposits on the books. We don't want you to invest them. Uh, you're going to make the bigger banks even bigger, right? Because they're going to have these massive stockpiles. Nothing wrong with the banking system with the big banks. They're not going out of business. They're the greatest balance sheets that, that they've never been this strong in the history of the banking industry because of the laws in place. Now you're going to tighten it up to make less competition. And what does that mean? It means that you, they're going to raise their fees incredibly. And who's going to pay for them? Everyone, all so of let's us. Talk about so that. it is, let's it is a Let's talk about bailout. the total bullshit that they're trying to craft. Don't forget- did you watch the whole interview with Buffett? I did. And and, and he was yes, really pumping his book. Something yeah. that I don't think I've ever seen before. Did you see that whole thing? The insurance companies are fine. The insurance companies are fine. The insurance companies will do just fine. I mean, how many times do you say that? Hopefully they're not insured in your area. Yeah, right. <laughs> Holy cow, is a big surprise. Yeah. So, but seriously, but yeah. No, no, but yeah. let me tell you about the bullshit. Here's the bullshit. The idea that it's not a bailout, okay? It's not a direct bailout of a government taking money Necessarily, it's the FDIC. It is well crafted. Who pays the FDIC? You said it, the banks. Who yes. funds the banks? Yes. The very nature of what we do is we fund mm-hmm. the banks. So the idea that it's not a taxpayer bailout, it, it, it I don't understand this this game yeah. they're playing, the lie, and everybody is okay with it. There's a gentleman's agreement between two that are saying, hey, you, you want to call it not a bailout? Okay, it's not a bailout. And if it's not a bailout, then it's not a big deal. If it's not a big deal, the banking industry is not, it's, it's what's the word they're looking, they're using? It's sound and resilient. 
Yes. That's their new line. Sound and resilience. It's amazing the flip-flopping where, okay, we're done. This is going to be it. And now you're seeing Buffett like we're not done yet. You're seeing the banks saying, no, we're not done yet. You know, with the, And Buffett saying it was only two risk. banks. His interview, I got to be honest with you, I was really disappointed. And a lot of the things that he said and the way he was protecting his portfolio and how he wouldn't answer a lot of questions, I didn't understand the whole nature of, it was a long interview, by the way. And, yeah. um, you know, the, the the problem was he was he was on his heels so many times about trying to gracefully not answer questions and yeah. only show the good side of his railway business and his insurance business and uh, th- that that he's there and that sending a bet that nobody's going to lose any money in the banking. I mean, what was don't forget, he owns the bank. They banks. had to correct him and he had to come out, not correct him, but they were saying, yeah, but what about the shareholders? And, and that's when he said, I don't care about it. He's not that he doesn't care. He's like, I'm not talking about the shareholders. They're taking on risks. If they lose money, they lose. He's talking about you personally having your assets at a bank. They're going to be insured. You're going to be fine. And he's right. But right. you're on a stock program and you, and people are you're looking at the stocks. And when you say everything's going to be all right, that's a signal. And I'm glad he, they kind of called him out and then he corrected. He's like, no, no, I'm not talking about. The, the equity portion, because look what they did. I mean, they put even Bitcoin banks out of business that had no fraud or anything, the government, which is, by the way, illegal. And one of the biggest firms in the world is suing them who won against them when they did this before. We can get to that conversation you're later. Talking about but, Sil- you're talking about Silvergate? No, not even. Well, Silvergate, there's no fraud. There's no fraud at Silvergate. I didn't say there was. None. I didn't say there was. I yeah. So, no, there's no. Fraud. So, basically, you had this run in the bank, you had all the short sellers going crazy saying, you know, we have a smoking gun. There's no smoking gun. You had the run in the bank, but the biggest client stayed there. Right, and this is me looking at it from an analyst point of view. What, what bank years. are you talking about? Silvergate. Oh, you're talking about Silvergate. Okay, so let, okay. Let's let's go with Silvergate, right? Because there's three of them we could talk about. Okay. So Silvergate, we go with Silvergate. Where okay, now you see the biggest the, the biggest clients stayed there, right? And I'm and now you're seeing Bitcoin starting to take off, go a lot higher. This is like fifteen, sixteen thousand. Now it's going to thirty thousand today. I'm like, okay, shorts are going to run. The cover is a massive short position on this thing. There's no fraud. They didn't prove any fraud at all. And then the government actually came out and said that nobody, none of the banks, if you do business with any of the banks in crypto, we're going to audit you. And they're quoted at saying that. Hmm. And one of the biggest firms in the world, Cooper and Kirk, is actually suing them. Uh, they won last time they did this. It was called Operation Choke Point when they tried to do this all gambling companies or in Obama yeah, era yeah, yeah. and pay loan companies, right? So right. now they're doing it within crypto. And then Silvergate didn't even have a chance to, to set, like from the FDIC perspective, their job is to get the most money for that. They could have sold their crypto business for an enormous amount of money. They just shut them down. They didn't shut down. What was the other one? First Republic, whatever First it was. First Republic, yeah. That's, that's they, they said, okay, let's see. You know, they let them, okay, let's see. The oh, no, they, had, no they, for, they, they, they asked, they they nicely asked the major banks to chip in $30 billion and tell yeah. everybody, and tell everybody, yes. by the way, that it is, infusion into specifically uninsured accounts mm-hmm. to make it look good. Yes. You and they didn't do that, that with Silvergate. Silvergate had no problem. Looking, yeah, you think the Fed was looking and you think the Fed didn't say, guys, get this going, say this, don't worry about your money, we'll back you. Yeah. And now I'm talking about it's Signature. I mean, Signature, they, they just, I was surprised how quick, because Signature is like 30% exposure to crypto. They just shut them down like immediately. But you, they sent out a letter to all the banks on January 27th or it's saying if you do anything crypto related, we're going to come after you. We're going to audit you. So you better not do it. And that's when the biggest guys had to leave Silvergate and said, okay, we cut off. Their, they're not allowed to set deposits anymore. So that's when that's when they were like, okay, it, it was basically like it, it, they decided to liquidate. It wasn't like they were for They were just like, okay, we, we have no choice to liquidate. It wasn't like, oh my God, we're done with bankrupt. It's like, okay, I guess the government doesn't want us to do this. And, but then you New know, York is- City Bank Corp swoops in. Actually, uh, full disclaimer, I know the CEO. They swoop, swoop in. 
and they get the sweetheart deal of the century yep. on on the signature bank deal. Yeah, Un- it's amazing. You, basically, to pick and choose, and not only this, it's a coordinated effort. It's a coordinated effort. You had the FDIC, you have the control of the currency. Michael Sue, remember that name. As soon as 2021 came in, he was hired. All of a sudden, everything went downhill for crypto with the banks. They had a guy in that he's like one of the most powerful people in the world that nobody knows of. He's so the control of the currency actually is a regulator of the Fed and the assets and all the banks. Right? Yeah. No, I didn't know this either when I started looking into it. But now you have the control of the currency, you have the FDIC and the Federal Reserve. They're supposed to be all operating separately, independently, coordinated effort to shut down all the crypto from banking services together, which, again, is, is an illegal thing to do, especially since no fraud was proven within those banks. There's a lot of fraud out there, and it needs to be regulated. That was the plan. Regulate crypto. There's a lot of garbage out there. There's the black market out there. But you have amazing projects, amazing innovation. You just closed the banks who are doing the right thing. Actually, they went through FTX and were okay on the other side selling those treasuries at a massive loss, like Silvergate, for $8 billion and still were okay on the capital side. When – you look at Signature Bank, Signature Bank had had I mean, their balance sheet was strong it, 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 and they just shut them down. I'm like, holy, I've never seen that in my 30 year career of them just going after a bank when you're supposed to regulate this stuff. Get all the bad players out of there. Get them out of here. I mean, you know, FTX was just FTX was was, was classic fraud, had nothing to do with really crypto. It was a crypto business. It was a guy taking money out of you know a, a broker's account and handed it to hedge funds, and it was it's a big scheme, right? I mean, it's just like right. the classic fraud. Right. But you know, I don't know. It's just it's very frustrating to see that you know they're shutting off something that's incredibly innovative and open source and DAO and all this stuff and, and, and decentralized finance and, and just you know again things that threaten the banking system that you're able to shut down just yeah. No, I hear you. And by the so way, when crazy. I when I started this office at Flood of Information. You guys didn't listen to me. This is what we're talking about. When hmm. Frank and I get together, it's like it's a yeah. battle for the microphone. This is what we do. I mean, this is our <laughs> lives, right? We love doing this, right? Yep. And dig it into these stories, and we talk all the time. But yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about go CPI. To the next one. Let's go to the CPI for a second. There was a CPI release this week. Uh, the key takeaways that I saw: food index flat month over month and up eight point five percent year over year. Energy index was down three point five percent month over month, and down 6.4% over year, which I thought was kind of interesting, by the way. Well, uh, if you're counting today, that that's totally erased. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> Look at how much you're paying for gasoline prices now compared to two So that's going to come up a little bit. The shelter index was uh, up 0.6, not a big deal, up 8.2 year over year. We'll see about that. The used car and truck index declined 0.9% month over month and was down 11% year over year. The Mannheim uh, used car index has started to climb again, by the way. And with, mm-hmm. I know it's only Fort Lauderdale, and I don't know how many cars are affected, but that those kind of storms and things do affect used car and new car prices, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 look, you notice how this CPI and PPI, like if you look at the past six months and leading up to that report, it was massive. Like the interest was massive. I mean, I remember turning on TV, oh my God, guys. It wasn't that like they had the Buffett interview going on during it and they didn't really leave the Buffett interview. They said, oh, you know, it's just, it was better than expected. And I think we have to come to terms and we touched this before where, uh, the fact that interest rates, that terminal rate is not five, when it's at five and a half percent or, or people had even even higher than that, it's easy to cut rates. What we're realizing is now we're seeing this. Of course, we're going to see a slowdown. It's just a matter of time. You raise rates by the fastest pace in the history of the Fed era, right? We've never raised rates mm-hmm. as fast as we have right. in the past nine months. So you're going to see it. It's taken a little bit longer than expected. However, for anyone, I think we're starting to realize that the catalyst was, oh, well, we're just going to cut rates on the other side. Well, it's easy to cut a five and a half, but if we're really going to be at 5% at the terminal, you really think that they're going to cut where, I mean, I, look at this. I, I, I mean, we have unemployment at three and a half percent. 
right? We we have which you have your your, your two percent, right? The CPI, uh, we're still growing at five percent. You talk 5%. about food prices and everything. I, 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 it's I, I, massive. I got to state this. Even it's if massive. you're at zero percent right now, the prices are up dramatically over the last two years. We should see declines of three to five percent. Right, exactly. That's to, to the only the way that things will be good. You can't just go back to a two percent and think there's going to be cuts. At two percent, they're going to keep it because they need to keep on slowing down the economy. We yeah, need and, and, deflation. And, and the only way, especially the last time we saw, like if we, all things aside, say if we all of a sudden we went up to a 5% rate and, and we didn't see eight, 9% like we saw right in the past couple months, mm-hmm. you know, early on, we would be like going crazy. Holy, I've never seen this before. I mean, it's 5%. It's through the roof. Holy cow. You know, 5% is incredibly high. We're still going higher. We're still 5% year over year. That's massive, right? It is going to come down, but when we have, it's still 5% and you're seeing, you know, wh- where we are with the unemployment rate, three and a half percent, we're not cutting rates this year. You're out of your mind if you think we're cutting rates. And the only way, the only way to stop this kind of inflation is to force a recession. You have to force it. Now they can word it around and say all the BS they want. Like you said, like, oh, well, it's going to be mild and for two years. The Fed is not there this time where it's going to be a month where you could shut down COVID and we have a month decline and everything's fine a month later because you're printing trillions of dollars. They can't do that anymore. They can't because of higher inflation. So you got to be very careful in this market. Then that that brings us to valuation. Hold on. Put a pin in that because I want to talk about something before we get there because I do want to talk about valuation, something that's really been bugging me. The whole idea of where we are considering what you just said about the outlook and there's only one possible reason. But before we do that, I want to talk to all the financial advisors out there because I'm I'm going to ask a question. Are you looking to add or switch custodians? We're talking about interactive brokers here. Are you going independent maybe? Because interactive brokers provides lowest cost trading and turnkey custody solutions for all size firms. You can trade globally from a single unified platform. Uh, You get uh, all sorts of reporting. You get no ticket charges no custody fees, no minimums, and no tech platform or those reporting fees, even though you get all those reports that are in there. It's amazing. Plus, IBKR has no advisory team to prop trade or get in your way or to compete with your particular clients for your business. You gain IBKR's free CRM, the portfolio management and trading platform, plus portfolio analysts. It's all there. It's all in a, they put this all together so that you could run money very easily. And I, by the way, utilize interactive brokers for my clients, for our strategies, and it's, it's a pretty cool platform. So there you go. And with Portfolio Analyst, it's a tool that you get to consolidate your client's entire portfolio and automate and make uh, your, your billing life very easy because it's very flexible. Switch to the custody, custody solution that works for you at ibkr.com slash RIA. Interactive Brokers is a member of SIPC. So Frank, let's talk about earnings and outlook and where we are. We're entering into earnings season. It's about to start off. We're going to see a slew over the next week or so of the financials. We're getting some of the industrials. We're getting the, the big boys coming up, what, three weeks, two, two and a half, three weeks from now. Question. We got the S&P round number, round number 4,100. We got about 18 times multiple forward, give or take a little bit, a little bit. We have earnings that are supposed to drop, I think, approximately 68 to 
year over year based on all the different analyst earnings for the S&P 500. And we can't keep stocks down or we can't have stocks down. You know, you see Apple come out with a 40% drop in overall shipments uh, or sales, as we call it, for their computers. iPad. Yeah, or the Max, the, yeah. The, the Max. And the stock eh, is like, pfft, who cares? And they're giving away their phone for free for anyone that's trading in the new brand new phone, which they 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 don't do, right? Because I'm in this business too, where I own my own phone store and it's a side business. But uh, yeah, they're giving away, you, you look at all the carriers are giving away the, the 14 for free. If you just have to hand in any phone that's probably less than four years old and, and they'll give it to free, which doesn't sound like that you're seeing that massive demand. So, there, so. what, and, and demand is an issue. We see this across the board. We saw that last week, Taiwan Semiconductor come out. They're actually slowing down production because they just don't have the chip production right now. And we're mm -hmm. seeing Elon Musk with Tesla, for example, dropping prices, dropping prices, dropping prices. So, Frank, tell me something, because you always help me with this because I get stuck. We got an 18 times multiple on the forward. We got 4,100 on the S&P 500. We got an environment that a recession may be coming. Uh, we have uh, lower earnings that are expected. What the hell? Well, here's what you have to put in perspective here. So that you see great numbers, 18 times forward earnings. Uh, if you're bullish, they're going to say, well, that's a 10-year average. And that's that's a fact. But, but 10 years? Wait, fact, wait, wait, stop. Hold on I'm, I'm going to say exactly what you're going to say. You. So Thank I can you. say it before you. Okay. <laughs> Good. The last 10 years, we had interest rates near zero. And we had earnings growing 8.7% 8 8 annually. Okay. Those are the numbers. Okay. Now we're trading at that same multiple. Short-term rates a lot. Closing it on 5%. Yeah. Right. You can earn risk-free, guys. So that you have an alternative to put your money risk-free. And then you're factoring earnings projected to fall 7% this quarter from last year. So if you factor in the higher rates and growth, which would be like the equity risk premium, it's called, valuations are at 20-year highs. That doesn't mean you should run out and sell every stock, but it means that you should have some kind of protection. Whether you're buying puts, don't go short because, I mean, look at the market today, yesterday, the day before. You know, you don't know where it's going to go. I remember when people, and they were right in 1998, they were like, well, this tech bubble is, is huge. It's going to explode. Yeah, they were right. And, and I think I think the NASDAQ was at 2,500 and it doubled the next year. And then the following year went down, you know, seventy five percent, which it went down to, to under a thousand, right? So, yeah, meaning you, know, you were right, but right full, money. No, they make it so money. that pendulum <laughs> when they swing, a lot of people are short, and you're probably going to see a little bit, you know, getting off size. A lot of massive trading activity with algorithms and stuff. I don't know how high it's going to go. You know, for me, I, I'm finding lots of really cool ideas. You know, not lots, but really cool ideas, and there's separation between a lot of stocks. Uh, where some are really going to see, you know, huge downfalls. You have to be careful. It's going to happen. The numbers matter always, right? Eventually, they'll come home. It could take longer than expected. So, you know, you're seeing this. You try to hold up, try to hold up. But you're looking at 18 times forward earnings in a market where the IMF just came out and lowered their GDP estimates to the slowest growth rate in 30 years. Six, CNBC just did a study. 60% of people are living paycheck to paycheck their families. Uh, you know, we have the inflation at 5%, which we mentioned earlier, which means to so forget about the Fed cutting rates anytime soon, especially with unemployment just at three and a half percent. The market's up 7% this year. Uh, you know, I just don't see them cutting. There's no reason for them to cut. Uh, so because you're seeing so why it, it's going to here? happen. Why are stocks here now? I don't get it. it I mean, it makes sense. People call me all the time. I don't understand. Now, look, when I say stocks, I'm talking about the, the general state of stocks, there are plenty of stocks that have good value. That's what also Frank is saying. Well, you also mentioned Apple. Let's talk about Apple. Okay. Apple's trading at what, like 27 times forward earnings, which I think is a crazy multiple. Yep. But, and we just mentioned the problems with it. However, I mean, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in cash in the balance sheet. And now 
they're going to be earning a lot of money on that cash, which is interest income that they haven't earned, right? And that's a safe haven for a lot of people because while you're paying that high multiple, not them telling you to buy Apple here and I wouldn't buy Apple here, I think it's too expensive. But now you're going to see the moats, right? Your total addressable market shrink during recessionary times. However, the bigger companies with the best balance sheets are able to buy those companies at overextended. And when their stock prices get hit, and then in the next cycle, they get even bigger, right? So that's why you could it's see like the, the safe like havens. They're Pac-Man. Yeah, the safe haven is the largest technology companies because they all have amazing balance sheets. And now you have this catalyst AI where, I mean, look at NVIDIA. NVIDIA is trading at 65 times forward earnings here. And you have to realize going into this earnings season, which the bank's going to start reporting or you know, the next two, three weeks is a fun part for us. You go, It's going to look like earnings are great because the, the estimates have been lowered at a faster pace than over the past 20 years, right? So you're beating an estimate that if they were expected on a dollar share, they the analysts, which is the number you see on TV, it's the average of all the analysts that the sell side analysts, which is, you know, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and everybody sell side, you know, they'll lower to 80 cents. And then you beat by 85 cents. It's going to say, oh, they beat, you know, at the end of the day, earnings are still coming down and coming down sharply. NVIDIA last quarter beat the numbers and everybody was praising them, right? Because they beat the numbers. Earnings were down 50% year over year and revenues down 20% year over year. Yet they beat the number and the stock's going up. They better pray that AI is going to be a multi-trillion dollar market. But all I know is every one of their customers, every one of their customers for NVIDIA are all cutting costs dramatically. They're seeing a slowdown in demand in cloud, data servers. They're cutting employees. They're cutting costs. Uh, right? So you're looking at gaming. Gaming, they said, well, gaming is bottomed. Not one gaming company came out and said that. EA just announced that they're, they're laying off employees. Every one of their end markets and their people that spend the money are drastically cutting back. They are spending on AI. So AI is the big deal here, but they better pray it's 65 times earnings. That's going to be big. I mean, the expectations going into this quarter for NVIDIA are massive because now yeah, you have earnings NVIDIA has done a good job of, of pivoting from where they were, which was, of course, you know, just graphic, to figuring out how to use the GPU to enhance the uh, functionality and the, the computing power. So they got involved in the, in the, in the crypto mining. And that was big. And now they're, now they're pivoted pretty fast into this AI. I mean, AIs, they have the most powerful chip in the world. However, okay, now you're seeing everyone into AI. And now you're seeing like the biggest companies in the world spend the most money because they have the most data, right? It makes sense for them to AI. And it's incredible. I mean, I've been really getting into this trend. It is, an, it is incredible, right? It's, it's game changing, life changing. But when I... For me, it's there's good. You have Intel, believe it or not, who's been a garbage company forever and horrible. I mean, they just let AMD, you know, that's embarrassing. Embarrassing. But now they do have a good balance sheet. You have AMD. You have some of these others that are really focusing on competing, saying that we have, you know, we have competing chips, and so someone's coming out and saying even better chips than Nvidia. So now you're going to see more competition. Where right now it's like, oh, Nvidia has the AI market for now. But now, I mean, the amount of money ton of balance sheets for a lot of these chip companies, they're going all in on this trend, which is going to reduce that pie for them. Do you want to pay 65 times forward earnings for that stock? Uh, expectations are high. I can't, I, I, I just think it's crazy right now in this market where all of their customers are cutting costs dramatically. So do you uh, believe yeah. though, that during the time that we see it forward, if we are going to recession, that we're going to do normal recessionary pricing? Or is there a new investor in town that says, you know what, I don't care about the interim. It's 20 years from now. I'm not pulling my money out. In fact, anytime things go down, I'm just going to add to it. Those days are over. You think so? You know why? I know because everyone says, well, look at the chart of SP 500 since the 50s, since it became 500 companies. And you're right. 
But if you look at the last 10 years of where stocks have gone, they've gone that far higher, no matter what happened. We used to go back and forth for 10 years. We've been doing this even longer, Andrew. We're like, how are these guys making earning estimates? Well, you have a Fed that's constantly pumping money into this system where you were lucky enough not to have inflation by uh, you know, just flooding, you flooded the banks with cash during 2008, 2009, right? Credit collapse, mm -hmm. which meant they were controlling the lending. They control this time around, you just handed checks directly to people. You have a couple of kids, here's a check. Oh, here's another check. PPP loans, here you go. Don't worry about it. You don't have to pay back. And now you can get additional 25000 per employee. It's like constant money that's directly leading to inflation. But they, we had a period of 10 years where inflation stayed low, yet they were able to keep interest rates at near zero levels and buy bonds and constantly flood the market with cash. It was tariffs in 2017, 18. No problem. We're fine. We, it was always just buy the dip no matter what. You can't do that anymore because the Fed's not there to back you up. And that's why it's different this time around. So if but you're they're looking still like, doing oh, it. They're still doing it. They can't do it at the pace that ah. they're doing it. They're doing it with the banks where FDIC covered it. And yes, we just spoke about that. But it's not like printing money, you know, trillions of dollars. They're going to have to let businesses fail. They're just going to have to, because right now, either that or you're going to result in much higher inflation. You're at the tipping point it, in both ways, whatever you want to go, they're going to lose. It's either you focus on inflation and you lose your force of recession or you pump it up the market. Inflation is going to go through the roof, which is going to result in lower demand because people just can't afford any, all this shit anymore. I'm going to do something line. I don't usually do right now. Usually I end the show and I say, Frank, tell people where you can get in touch with you, but I'm not ending the show. But Frank, where can people get in touch with you? <laughs> they can't touch me. Just go to CursorResearch.com. We have our podcast where, and, and Andrew, I'll talk to you about this. We have a paid podcast now. What does that mean? $10 a month, Wall Street on You're going to pay premium. me to listen? Wait, you're paying me to listen? So, yeah. So we have a free one, but the paid version actually is tied to a newsletter where it's tra ah. one trading idea a week. And we really go into the details. We share our research engines, which we pay. You know, I pay over $150,000 for a year uh, wow. and you know, you're, we're educating you lots of ideas, uh, a lot of great interviews, like exclusive interviews and a lot of stories where it's really, you know, basically unleashed where we could say, you know, again, it, when you're independent, you could say what you want and then we're not tied to anything, but it's it's huh. resulting a lot of, a lot of people actually called? coming on the platform. It's called Wall Street Unplugged Premium. It's $10 a month. You can cancel it anytime, but we're seeing you know a massive shift to people doing that because it's providing more value, providing more stock ideas hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's working for us. So. The word, the word I-D-E-A. How do you say that? Idea. So it's not idea, like you said earlier. I might say it idea. Yeah, I do say idea. Idea. I do. Idea. The, the New York comes out in me. Yeah, the New York comes out. And we make, my wife is a million times worse than me with her accent. But yeah, we, yeah, oh, she's horrible. Like mine comes out every now and then and people make fun. And I was yeah, like. Get the coffee. Yeah. Let's get some coffee. Coffee. Yeah, come coffee. And the kids make fun of the coffee. And oh. even the kids' friends make fun of them. It's oh, the so other funny, one is, so. I'm going to call my sister, my father, my mother. Or X, it's it's X. Oh no, don't even start with that one. The X and the ask. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but still, let's go back a second. Talking mm -hmm. about the valuations and where we are, and you can't buy the dip as much as we have been, but yet we're still at a level that I think people are in disbelief over the idea. Which, what you said, I bring this back from the beginning of the show, just at the top. You talked about there is no way the Fed is going to reduce rates or drop rates this year, which I think is in the psyche of every investor. And I think the companies have also caught on to understanding a lot more about the behavioral finance and what is the hot button right now. And we can go along a lot of these things, but it was for a little while we had the layoffs and everybody got rewarded for layoffs, right? All these companies got rewarded. Oh, let's try to drive mm -hmm. the stock up. I have a feeling, here's my projection, here's my crazy outlier prediction of this earnings season. 
everybody believes this is going to be a shit earnings season, right? It's going to be not a great define, one. Define shit, because if you're defining be, it as the, companies that are, are going to beat their estimates, I can tell you no, it's still going to be no, 70% of the be, companies that beat no, them. Forget they're that. They're going to beat the estimates. Let me know that. They're going to beat the estimates. Let's put that as a basic, okay? But they're going to have a lot lower overall earnings and revenue from the did a year ago. And, you know, they may not come in with beats that are so great. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking that companies are going to actually maybe miss and maybe talk about all the things that have gone on, but move a lot of stuff into the last quarter and then guide higher. You know, the little movement, little left, little right. I think it's dangerous to guide higher with so much uncertainty. I, I don't see, I think management teams would be crazy to guide higher. I think being but conservative. But they'll do so because they have it in the bag from dropping everything into this quarter. <clears throat> Maybe, maybe. I mean, their estimates are lower, but I mean, you're looking at demand trends are coming down. You're seeing it. You're seeing with credit cards. Uh, I mean, just the, you're looking at Walmart statistics. You're looking at so much data that I track in terms of, of consumer spending. McDonald's is doing a, is is cutting back. McDonald's. McDonald's is cutting back, and McDonald's has pricing power, especially compared to every other food choice, which is so much more. I mean, you can go to McDonald's, and my family eat for twenty five bucks. The same meal is like eighty dollars. Granted, I know the food difference and everything, but I'm just saying like for, for families who are trying to actually feed themselves and feed families of four or five. I mean, McDonald's is still a great choice where they could raise prices and still be cheaper than, than almost any other place that you're going to go out to eat. Again, it is McDonald's. It's not healthy. I'm just saying. From a food Was that an example or is that actually something you do? Oh, well, I, we just built a new house and we were supposed to move in uh, five months ago and it's it's been a nightmare. So uh, the reason why is because our kids made a really good school. Uh, that they got into. So it's an hour away. So my oh. wife drives four hours in a car every day. Really? Every day, every day, four hours. They're back, they're back. And now finally we just moved in. It's in Jacksonville. Uh, and just with our timelines and everything, we've been, you know, I gained probably 12 pounds. Which oh, I'm, Frank, you're I'm looking losing. so good, buddy. I know it was. And I'm the yeah. one that's ripped now. And now I'm old fat. I'm and ripping and ugly. it. <laughs> you're looking good. I'm looking good. I know. I know it's, it's so now just looking at the prices, like we she has no time to cook. We have no time to cook. We're just going back and forth. It's been such a stressful period, but you really see like the prices and everything going like, you know, not no, only are they offering, le- they're offering less food, worse service because they don't have as many oh. people working there. And then, and they're, they're raising their prices by 20%. You know, it's, it's like, don't even whoa, talk to me about service. This idea terrible. that the, that the, that the people in the service industry want to get all this money and they, and, and then, give shitty service, and then have you ever gotten recently a to-go order that was actually right? Yeah, it's never right. I mean, it's like, let me be clear. I don't want the butter sauce on the shrimp. Can you put cocktail sauce on the side? Sure. You get the, you pull it out. What do you got? You got the shrimp, no butter sauce, no cocktail sauce, butter sauce on the side. It's like, I, I don't even know what just happened. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's, I mean, I, I've ordered a sandwich and my wife's particular sometimes, which is saying that she's a pain in my, you know what? Oh. When it comes to ordering and where it's got to be detailed. And she was like, chicken sandwich, nothing on it. Chicken sandwich, nothing. On it. That's all. No soda, no other thing. Just go to McDonald's, get chicken sandwich. We got a chicken sandwich. And, uh, you know, the guy came and said, I said, chicken sandwich, nothing on it. He's like, nothing on it? I said, yeah. And then he's like, uh, okay, you want nothing on it, right? I said, no, just n- nothing on it. Just chicken sandwich. I get up to the window. He's like, you said nothing, right? He gives me a sandwich with, no chicken on it, just bread. And I, 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 I felt bad I get, I get, saying it. it's yeah. not his fault. I, not, I said chicken sandwich. He just gave me bread. And I said, there's no way you guys could be this stupid. And I felt bad because it's not even him. Probably I think it was somebody else. <laughs> I was like, really? That's a chicken sandwich I, with nothing. You on know it. what? 
I'll say this and I know I get wrecked on this and I'll probably get emails. Feel free. Frankersresearch.com coming from New York and people fighting for their jobs. Yes. And it's always like, you yes. know, again, it's, it's goods and bad about New York. New York's horrible. Now I, I get on them back there. But if you have kids and they're not that smart, man, if just come to Florida, they'll be the smartest kids in the state. Yes. I tell you, it is, it is a here? culture thing. It's not laziness. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not this, you know, hey, it's this lazy. Oh, it, it's bad. they you're don't bad. want to work hard at all. That, man, I, you I talk to kids, I'm like, there's here. no way. It's not no, just I've, down here. I've, I've, I've been to lots of states. I've, I've never seen what I see here. I never see people that say they're going to show up and they'll show up two days later. They'll call. I'm taking off work at eight o'clock in the morning. I expect them. They'll call nine o'clock and say, hey, we're not coming today. I mean, it's, but you know, it's Frank, insane. that's the reason, do you know the reason that I had my, my early days of success down in Florida? Let me, this you is work true, hard. No, this is a true story. Yes. But there's a true story. I was the only one that would show up to the appointments. Mm-hmm. You call a landscaper down here or a roofer now with the floods, but a landscaper 12 say they'll be out there at eight in the morning. Nobody shows up. Yeah. You want to make a hundred grand, no matter what state you're in, come to Florida landscaping, tough job. Gonna be hot. You're gonna be out there. You'll easily make six figures because you'll be the only person that shows yeah. up on time and does their right. job. And my guy, my it's landscape great guy, and it's, yeah, he doesn't even bill me for six months at a time unless I remind him. I'm like, is there something wrong with you? Like, ah. <laughs> I'm like, are you rich or whatever? No, and I need new equipment. Why don't you bill me? Ah. I'm like, okay, whatever. All right, let's talk about some other things. Let's talk about something that you want to talk about. You wrote me about this, and you're like, hey, we got to talk you probably about laughed. this. I did leave laugh a little bit about this. I'm like, I snickered. I snickered. <laughs> Frank, there he goes. How the possibility that the United States dollar, or said in circles, the USD, the green buck, the green back, how the USD could potentially lose its currency reserve status. Correct. So first, I think for our audience, for our listeners, I think it'd be very helpful uh, to put down the crack pipe, buddy. Uh, but mm-hmm. besides that, could you explain seriously? Um, let's start this discussion now so everybody's on the same page. Okay. What, what does it mean that res- reserve status? Okay. So the reason why our country is so strong is because we control the currency and we have the SWIFT system where we have the transfer of payments. And whenever anyone gets out of line or want to raise pet tariffs, we could – or, or, or sanction someone, we could shut that off, right? And people are getting very, very angry about it. Now, I've heard people make this argument and I made fun of them. Like good friends of mine, Doug Casey, Rick Rule, guys have been doing this 30, 35 years. I used to make fun of Doug Casey. He used to have a presentation uh, like a couple of years ago. And I was like, hey, I saw your presentation. And then it was from 1970. It was the same as I think from the late <laughs> right, right. 70s right. till now. Like, you know, because I, and I was like, there's no way that will ever happen. Uh, listen, Again, it's funny and you're probably rolling your eyes right now, but just listen to what I'm going to say. Okay? All right. I'm, I'm, this I'm, all happened I'm, in the past three months, yeah. the past three months. Okay. So mm-hmm. China's now getting a coalition of countries to reduce its reliance on the U.S. dollar. Past three months. China executed its first LNG trade using the yuan instead of the dollar, first ever. The Saudis in China are currently discussions about accepting the yuan instead of the dollar for oil. Okay. That's getting us off, what was that, since the 70s, right? So Nixon took us off the gold sand. That'd be the first time it happened. You're looking at Xi openly saying, Right. All these countries openly saying the world needs to reduce the dependency on the U.S. dollar, openly yes, saying no, we see summits that. with that. flags. Right. Uh-huh. So you look at China's yuan replaces the dollar as the most traded currency in Russia. Now, that's as of March. Right. So you have China brokering peace deals between Iran and Saudis, really forming powerful relationships. The BRIC nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. S is not the apostrophe. S stands for South Africa. All saying the same thing publicly, publicly at meetings. The BRICs, they're having a BRIC conference, which I have the 15th annual conference 
they came out and said, this is going to be the main focus of how we reduce our reliance on the dollar. Stuff we've never seen before. That never happened. Listen, not even close to being done. So all of them working together to create a universal digital currency to help reduce the reliance on the dollar because of they're seeing how much spending. We have trillions of dollars in the U.S. The U.S. is abusing the power, especially when it comes to sanctions. China was never a problem by itself. Russia was never a problem by itself. But now when you bring everyone together and then you just saw the other day, France, this is Europe, France. Macron came out, visited China last week and said, he said it public. Europe needs to rely less on the U.S. dollar. They need to reduce their dependence. and said he wants to start a, a, a third superpower in Europe led by himself, of course, all about power. I mean, publicly saying this, right? So we have this growing hatred of the U.S., and it's growing. So we talked about the BRIC countries, right? Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Now it's Saudi Arabia, Argentina, Iran, Indonesia, Turkey, and Egypt. All of them expressing interest in joining an alliance that have their own digital currency to compete against the U.S. Don't forget Malaysia. Malaysia and China just signed a deal, an Asian fund between the nations to help reduce reliance on the U.S. dollar. Even Singapore, right, which is like the most Americanized place ever. You go there and know everyone's a very it's English, right? It, it, they just said they, they would want to reduce the need for U.S. dollar. I've never seen anything like this. And if you look at the trends, this happens every 80 to 100 years. You can go back all the countries and Great Britain and go into the Netherlands and whatever, right? And we're at that point, and that's what they're saying, right? So this isn't going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen over the next 10 years, right? But you're seeing it. You're seeing the dollar as a percent of foreign exchange reserve for U.S. dollars. It was over 70% in 2020. It's down to six. It was down to sixty-five percent in two thousand sixteen. Now it's like fifty-eight, fifty-seven percent right now today. Right, lowest level in history. It continues to go lower. For me, there's a reason why when you're seeing Bitcoin surge, your reason why you're seeing gold surge. Look at the gold to central banks and how much gold they're purchasing. If they announce a digital currency, it's got to be backed by something. They said it's probably going to be backed by gold. Just to, it's more than a half century. That's how much buying of gold over the past few months, right? The highest levels, that's where we're at in more than a half century. Hmm. It's too many coincidences, right? It's too many. And you know me, and I've been on this podcast for a long time, your audience knows, right? I'm not like this fear guy, and I'm always like quick to call BS, and that's why they listen to our podcast, right? Because we're yeah. independent. When I see this, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen 10 years. It could happen even longer than that. But you're seeing the movement here and it's like phase one at a drug. A phase one drug comes out and, and it shows great results for cure, curing cancer. It's like an explosion, right? Even though it's not FDA approved yet, you're going to see so much money flow into that company. A lot of, of the biggest pharmaceutical and bio, biotech companies are going to start saying, holy cow, this technology, let's see how we can you know, duplicate somehow without infringing on a patent. All this money goes in. So what we're going to see is we're seeing the movement now where you can adjust your portfolio, where Bitcoin's going a lot higher, Oil, I mean, the Saudis, for them to just go out there and give the U.S. the finger and say, look. That was, a, big, that was a double finger, buddy. I mean, and, and they should. Yeah. And they should because we promised that, hey, we're going to lower this, which every president does. Lowers, you know, they take you know, strategic oil reserve. This way you lower oil prices into the midterm elections. We get it. It's supposed to be from February to October. It's supposed to be 180 million barrels. It turned out to be 240. They said when the price goes to 73, 70 bucks, we'll go, that's when we'll replenish it. The Saudis signed a deal with the U.S. of 500,000 barrels. We went to those levels for three to four weeks in March. Mm -hmm. And they didn't do it. You know what we did? We, we still started releasing. And Saudis like, okay, well, we have to make a stand. This never, like no one ever messed with us. Now, like I said, Russia by itself, not a problem. Well, you got a you bunch of Russia. idiots. You got a bunch <clears throat> of idiots at the charge. They don't think strategically. But they're not even focusing on this. We're focusing on, on 
climate oh, change. Like this stuff's going to happen sure tomorrow. You're focusing on making sure that somebody is saying somebody else's pronouns properly. That's what you're focusing on. Uh, that's what the focus on. But I mean, think of, just think about this again. I'm not a fear guy, but we are funding, right? And France, by the way, is no longer funding. And there's other places in Europe, they're no, no longer funding like, like Ukraine. They're not reporting the data. So we're funding, right? We're funding someone to fight another country who has nuclear weapons. So if you're going to fight somebody and you're about to fight them one-on-one -on -one, and some guy hands that guy a bat and he beats the crap out of you, when you see that guy hand in the bat, what are you going to think? I'm going to kill that guy, mm -hmm. right? That's what we're doing right now, right? And to me, it seems like a little bit of a bigger threat than climate change and transgender and all the other garbage that they're saying that's going to happen. And even the, the guys that want to lower emissions, when they want to lower by, the biggest environmentalist. Yeah, 2095 or whatever it is. Yeah, right. So basically, I guess they're saying we're going to live to that long, right? Because that's their, their own estimates. Mm -hmm. So, you know, want, let's focus on the things that really matter here because I, I never thought I'd see something like this where, okay, China needs us, right? We run China. China, we we have all the money. We buy their goods. We could buy them anywhere. We pay a lot more money to buy them other places, mm -hmm. right? But we have the money. So, and they don't have resources, right? They have the uh, rare earth metals, but really don't have resources. But now when you partner with Russia, now they have resources. Now you have India, you have buys of Russia oil. Now you have all these people working together. You know, you're brokering deals between Iran and Saudis. Now you're doing, you know, deals in one. What the hell is going on? This is like the last mm -hmm. two, three months. Mm -hmm. You have to pay attention to this because this is very, very, this makes like what we're talking about, Andrew, you and I, when we talk about all this stuff with, with the Fed and inflation, that's cyclical. I just think it's going to take a much longer than one month, you know, decline like we're used to. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's cyclical and we'll have an opportunity. This isn't cyclical. This is something that's, that's significant. I mean, I mean, that this is pebbles like on a volcano ready to erupt when you look at the bigger picture. And again, you go down a rabbit hole and don't trust me. Start looking at it and don't go to Google because they suppress all this information. And if you look at what the U.S. is doing right now, they, they have to keep that dollar higher because as you keep it higher, it strengthens your currency. Oh, right? it's it, coming it's just, in. It's coming in very substantially. Yes. So, so you know, even though we're at, what, a year, pretty much touching a year low on the, on the yep. dollar right mm -hmm. now. Right. But you could, they could, they're shutting down all other options. It's like this control factor. Why do you think they want to – Is there a need, Frank, for a reserve currency like we've had? I don't really see the understanding today where we could easily convert via um, wires or you could use coins if you want to crypto. But let's just talk about the other non-crypto for a second. Easily convertible at a particular rate and then shipped and transferred or wired or swifted. Do we need a reserve currency? Yeah, I mean, I mean, do we need it? I mean, it matters, right? That's that's really the strength. That's 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 our strength. The U.S. is that's the, that's massive, I'm right? Talking because about the other side. Do we do, yeah, do we actually need a choice? But do, do we, actually, we need one? I think you, well, it's a factor of another currency, right? It's not like you get rid of a currency. It's a currency against another currency. So somebody's going to be the strongest. Right. So yeah. it's got to be somebody. It's it's against another currency. Right. It's not like everybody's currency is going to be weak. at this. It's like bonds. You know, if interest rates go high, prices go lower. Right. It's inverse. It's not like. But what we thing. do also have is a as a as the reserve currency at this time, we have the lock on certain purchases of goods utilizing that currency. Yes. And, and still you have. You, know, you had Russia really get rid of their dollars and they because they knew they were going to go after Ukraine and they're smart enough and Putin's a genius because he was like, OK, here's the playbook. Here's what they're going to do. Here's the sanctions and everything. And basically the sanctions meant nothing to him. It's why their currency absolutely surged right during the war, uh, you know, which is insane because they knew exactly what we're going to do. Right. Mm -hmm. They knew the game plan. Like China still needs us, but we have higher interest rates. Right. It's amazing that we continue to raise while everyone else kind of said that they're done basically around the world. 
which makes our currency, should be making our currency stronger. More people are going to come in here and a higher interest rate. But when you have this many countries going out again, publicly, publicly saying it, you'll see it on Twitter and you'll see it on TikTok because those are only the, like the free platforms that you have in social media. A lot of this is suppressed. And I'm not talking about people's comments. I'm talking about watching the actual, like she up there with the flags, with Saudi Arabia, and saying that we got to get, like Macron said this next to she that we need to rely less on the U.S. dollar. I mean, if Europe to say that as we're funding a war, basically, almost for them, I mean, we have no ties to Russia, right? I mean, they don't have any trading partners or anything mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's, I, it's when you it's look bizarre. at the details, it these, is, these, right? These, these new leaders, though, they're just all, they're, they're cut from the same cloth. They're just, honestly, they don't understand the dynamics of world peace. They don't yeah. understand the dynamic. They, they, their, their objectives are far different and strange. I'm not saying that, oh, okay, Boomer, you know, uh, yeah, Horowitz saying this whole thing about things. They just have a weird way of looking at things. It's almost like they're doing it all for the purpose of, uh, of, of, I don't know. It's a very, maybe the historic reference of what they did, regardless if it was a good thing or a bad thing. It's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's weird. And how do you, how do you play this one? I think oil is going to go a lot higher, obviously, right? Because now, Saudi's which is good, like, we have a chock full of energy in our portfolio, which which is which is good, right? And then you have you know Bitcoin. I think you have to have allocation to Bitcoin, and you have you have to realize with Bitcoin, if, if you're part of the older generation, if you're looking at millennials are now forty, right? It makes me very very old. Yes, but they grew up in this generation. They all know what Bitcoin is, right? This is like their digital currency. This is their currency, right? So. Uh, you have to realize like how important it is to them and how much they use it. Right. So yeah, again, it's not predicting and you might say this is crazy, but as crazy as it sounds, as I say it's crazy, start doing the homework and the research because this is going to result in gold and something that I haven't been bullish on. And I've made a ton of money in gold over my career in private placements. I haven't done any in the last two, three years because I hated the sector. This isn't about gold going to 2,500. It's about going to 10,000 to 15,000. If this, if they're going to create, by the way, 11 countries have, have developed programs, including the U.S., Japan, Bank China. They have pilot programs that they're testing uh, at their own central bank digital currency right now, all of them. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be That's backed right. by something. And if it's not going to be backed by U.S. dollars and these guys decide to say, hey, we're going to do this on our own, they're going to be backed by gold. And that changes the whole landscape. And if you're wrong, how far is gold going to go down from here with all the spending from central banks? So it's just something that you got to wonder if, challenge if some yourself. of the Bitcoin people who are against gold would actually like gold if it was backed by gold. I mean, like I Bitcoin back the by. Bitcoin and the gold crowd make me laugh. Own them both. You don't have to hate each other, right? No, I mean, no, most of them own for the same reason. It's just, it's, it's crazy. But own them both, uh, have have exposure, 5% exposure to your portfolio, 5% in oil. And, you know, if you truly don't believe and you think I'm in, just start doing a research on this because I was dead set against this. For me, it's all about data. It's all about, look, I don't have anything personal. I don't have an agenda here. It's it's something that that worries me than something I thought I'd never say in my life. And now it just, and I just can't believe all these countries are together right now and they're publicly saying this and, and, and going we to the We are US. seeing it. It is, it is a crazy, it's a mad, mad, mad world. Frank Curzio from Curzio Research. We're going to wrap it up right there. Thank you so much for joining me today. All the time that we do spend together and appreciate our friendship and yeah. Do me a favor. One thing, stay off the damn McDonald's, would you? I am. It's I'm bad. Lose a lot of weight. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Just stop to eating the McDonald's. You drop five pounds in two weeks. I know. That's you know? so bad. Yeah, I'm not a crazy McDonald's guy, but yeah. yeah, I hear you. All right. Frank, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. All right. Love you, bro. Thanks. That's going to be a wrap. And uh, thank you for joining me this week, every week on the Discipline Investor Podcast. You can hear me also on Tuesday nights with DH Unplugged with John C. Dvorak. We're live. We're talking about the news and more of the lighter side of the news. 
If you have any questions, go over to thedisciplineinvestor.com and click on the contact us. And of course, leave a rating somewhere, wherever you find it on whatever podcast app you utilize. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you again next week. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.